if you could turn in your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 1. Can everybody give me an an amen because we are finishing chapter 1 this morning. Amen. It's been a long run, and, uh, but it's been really good. Um, I'm going to say something that anybody who teaches, even the teachers who teach in, in schools, um, teach in Sunday school, have the opportunity to get up here and, and preach and teach, is that as I've gone through this book, I've learned so much, and I've failed to communicate everything that I've learned in the messages. And I think that's just something that everybody would say. Um, I know if I were to talk to Mike, uh, Mike Roy, he did Sunday school this morning, that in his study time for five chapters, and, and Aaron would say the same thing, about seven chapters in Ezekiel last week. Uh, and Aaron actually finished a, another book for us too as well. But what, I'm, what I want to say is, is that the Lord just is so good. He's so good to us and reveals so much, but it's so hard to get it out. Am I right, Mike? It's, it's so hard. So uh, for that, I just want to, in my human, in, uh, fall, in, in not infallibility, in my fallibility, in my mortality, I apologize for just not getting everything out. And so, but we just pray, we pray that what the Lord once said uh, is said. Amen? Amen. Okay, so this painting here, um, I can't remember, the, the, uh, the Painter's last name is, I think, Fernandez. It's a famous painting from the 1800s. Um, it's a lot more scriptural than Bugs Bunny was uh, three weeks ago, if you remember that. So, but um, can anybody tell me where is this depicted? Somebody said it down here. Sermon on the Mount. Okay. I don't know if it really looked like that exactly. I mean, there was a whole lot more people. So the uh, the uh, painter. I had, there was other um, paintings that I was going to do that had more like, it was like a drone shot, okay? Uh, of course, we, don't, we never had that view, but it depicted thousands, which is more accurate, but the, the resolution on those pictures was so bad, it'd be so blurry you couldn't see it. But today's uh, message is called, Be a Doer, Not Just a Hearer. Um, if you look at your bulletin, don't look at it now, we read out of Luke. And that was exactly what this message is about. We're not going to go back to that, but that was put in there just to kind of get us ready to, for, for what the message is going to be. So if everybody could do me a favor and stand up real quick. We're going to read these verses. And we're going to read them out of the, the New Living Translation. The rest will be either ESV or New King James. But I, I really love this, this version and how it depicts uh, James 1. Uh, verses 21 through 27. So all together, James 1, 21 through 27. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you carefully look my, my bad. you carefully look into the perfect law that sets you free, 
And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans, widows, in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of James, the first chapter of James in verses 21 through 27 this morning. Lord, as we look uh, at putting aside filthiness and wickedness, as we look at looking at ourselves in the mirror and then glancing or looking away and forgetting what person, what type of person we were. As we look at being a doer, not just a hearer, Lord, I pray that this word, that your spirit would just prick all of us to be doers of your word. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name, give us ears to hear but also give us a desire to do and drop that deep into our spirits, Lord, that we would be forever changed until we walk into your kingdom and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What we're going to do real quick is we're going to recap from three weeks ago. It's just one slide. I'm not going to spend much time on it. By the way, today is Picnic Sunday. And I will have to say, it looks cloudy outside. Thank the Lord we have a pavilion, of course. But um, does anybody sense a change coming, a change in the air? Does everybody know what I'm talking about? So we've had, what, two weeks of no rain, maybe even three. I I think uh, when we left uh, Wednesday night, it sprinkled just a little bit. Other than that, that I know of, we have not had any rain. But uh, looking at the long-range forecast, we're going to have days of rain. It's a sign that tells me that Marvin has been praying about the weather again. Um, so Marvin, praise the Lord, we need the rain really bad. It was Todd. Todd got his haying done, so he's okay. The rest of you, if you didn't do it, sorry. Okay. All right. So a quick recap on quick to hear, slow to speak. Oh, you know, God is so good. He weaves a perfect uh, tapestry together. Uh, the book of James is tremendous when it comes to Uh, weaving this tapestry or weaving this message from verses 1 to 27. But just a quick recap on this. uh, The text we used was uh, uh, last time was verses 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we we talked about some statistics. Um, Mike mentioned it actually last week in his message as well. Uh, For those of you who don't remember the statistics, I'll give you one real quick, or just a couple here. What it said based off of studies, that um, if you hear something, that typically immediately after you hear it, you're going to forget about 50% of it. Okay? That's pretty bad. But it gets even worse is about an hour later, you will forget Uh, you will only remember, I'll say it that way, you only remember about 20% of it. And what I said last last time, I'll say this again, hopefully we'll all remember 20% after Picnic Sunday is done, because let's say it's an hour plus, 
Hopefully you'll remember 20% of, of what's going to be on the screens and what's going to be discussed today. Um, another thing that came out in looking at James 9, uh, 1, 19 and 20 is that an angry person is typically somebody, and think of, us, think of those of us who have dealt with anger in our lives. Think of when we were in our angry moments. Were we quick uh, to hear and slow to speak? Typically not. I'm not saying everybody. Most people who just fly off the handle, however you want to say it, they just explode in a fit of rage or anger. It, it's, they're very slow to hear. But are they quick to react to what they did hear? And that quick reaction also um, uh, births uh, anger. And so that's something we learned that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The last, so this is the first verse we did in that message. And then Romans 10, 17 was actually the last verse that we looked at. We're not going to look at anything in the middle. Is that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to keep hearing. And we're going to touch on that a little bit as we go through uh, verses 21 through 27. So let's jump into it here real quick. Hopefully this is not a very long message because we have Picnic Sunday today and we want to get things going. So turn in your Bibles, hopefully you're there, and we'll look at verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The word overflow of wickedness, some versions say an abundance. So you think of a cup and we a cup of coffee, we put the coffee in it and we just let it go and go and then it starts to overflow. Wickedness is overflowing. So not only do we have wickedness in our cup, we have it all over the floor or all over the table that's below the cup. And this, that is what this is talking about, even though John would argue it's coffee, I'd say it's not. It's wickedness. Um, but what we want to do is we want to take a look. So there are three words underlined there, filthiness, wickedness, and implanted. So we want to take a look, and we're going to go do a little Greek study today. Uh, we'll start with filthiness. Uh, Greek word is ripia, I'm sorry, <laughs> ripria, and it means dirtiness, defilement, like a moral more, to be morally defiled, and by extension, to be physically defiled. Typically, if somebody is morally defiled, it eventually works down into their physical. They act out upon that moral defilement. So by extension, physically uh, defiled. So lay aside all defilement. What did we read in uh, a couple of words that, that kind of popped into my mind uh, this morning in, in uh, Ezekiel in Sunday school? Was Mike, was it abominations? And there was another word too. I didn't write it down. Uh, but the Lord, uh, as he was giving these visions to Ezekiel, um, definitely in chapter, let's say chapter 8, is that it was just a, an abundance of, of, of abominations. They, they had carved images. They were worshiping the sun. They were worshiping Tammuz, who is a, a Sumerian goddess. Uh, they were doing all these things, yet they were still children of Israel yet they were bringing in all these other foreign gods, foreign religions. So they also had filthiness, and they also had an overflow or an abundance of wickedness as well. So looking at this word uh, filthiness, we can look at it affects the moral and it affects the physical part of a person. Then if we go to wickedness, 
The Greek word is kakia, K-A-K-I-A. And that means to have malice. So this isn't necessarily a physical thing, though it can manifest later as a physical action, but to have malice, to have evil, to have ill will toward a person, a thing, whatever that could be, and have a desire to injure. So if I'm going to injure something, maybe I'm getting more into the physical realm. So wickedness and filthiness are starting to blend together a little bit more. At the very beginning of verse 21, it says lay aside. In the Greek, I didn't pull, I looked at it, but I didn't, I didn't put it into the slides or, or I didn't even look, uh, I didn't write down the Greek words or anything like that. It basically means to take something like my glasses and to actually throw it, to get, these are too expensive for me to throw. <laughs> I was getting ready to throw my glasses, prescription, but to throw them to the side. It says lay it aside, get rid of it, cast it out. Um, so gives us a good visual uh, to, to, to understand what, uh, what James is saying here. Um, the next word that's underlined is implanted. So implanted in the Greek is emphytos or emphytos. It means engrafted. It means inborn, implanted by nature or implanted by others' instruction. So what is to be implanted? The word of God is to be implanted or engrafted. Implanted by others' instruction? How do we do that? Well, we have to hear it, right? But there's more to it. And that's what we're going to discuss here in the next slides. Because we're talking about not just being a hearer, but we're talking about being a doer. If you hear something, it doesn't mean that you have it, it's yours. It means you heard it. But when you become a doer of something, of what you heard, you now have a better relationship to what you heard and then the messenger who spoke it. And here we're talking about the word of God. And then other people you do it with. Okay, so we'll get into that in a little bit. But I have a question for everybody. Well, before I do that, the root word for emphatos is phyo. It literally means to puff up or swell. So think of a puffer fish. You see them. They just blow up. Of course, they have things that protect themselves. But phyo means to, to, to just puff up or swell up. And so that word of God that's implanted into us, it needs to swell up inside of us. But what was really was the last part. And Mike, when he was praying um, um, on the conclusion of Sunday school, he, he prayed that the word of God would germinate in us. And I, I mentioned it to him. Mike, you're going to see that word again here real shortly. But that's what it actually says in Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. File means to germinate. And so that word of God germinates. If I had it, I don't have one, I would have put a chia pet right here. And maybe two of them. I'd have the one without the water, and then the one after putting water on it for so many days because it starts to have the green, starts to grow on it. Same concept. The word gets applied, it's implanted, and it grows. But I don't have a chia pet. So anyway. I had one when I was younger. Here's the question. To whom was the book of James written to? Okay. Because if you look at verse 21, the first part, whoever this book is written to, they're being told to lay aside filthiness. What's filthiness? Moral defilement. 
What's, what's filthiness? Um, dirtiness. Maybe a depraved mind, a dirty mind. But they're also saying that they have an abundance or an overflow of wickedness. What's wickedness? To have malice, evil, ill will, a desire to injure. Who was the book of, or whom, excuse me, was the book of James written to? Yeah. If you don't turn here, chapter 1, verse 1 into 2. To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings, my brethren. Who was the book of James written to? My brethren. Chapter 1, verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Chapter 1, verse 18. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. Who did he bring forth? He brought us forth. Chapter 1, verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren. So, to answer this question, to whom was the book of James written to? It was written to fellow believers. And you say, wow, those people must have been really, really in a bad way because look at all this filthiness they have. Look at all this abundance and overflow of wickedness they have. Are they any different than us? Just let that settle. If I'm pointing a finger at anybody, i got three pointing back at me, okay? This is to us today, just as it was to the 12 tribes that were scattered abroad, that James actually said that they were his brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus. Let's go to the next verse, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Yes, we can as believers deceive ourselves. We're actually pretty good at it, by the way. Mike asked if, uh, if Satan, Mike's having a snake problem, and when I heard that, I whispered to Melissa, I don't think we're moving out there. they got snakes out there. No. No. Mike, you shoot them. That's what you do. <laughs> so, anyway, I shouldn't have said that standing up here, but anyway. Um, you corral them and send them over to my property. That's what you do. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So we have one highlighted in green, one hi- highlighted in blue. But we're not going to do a, a, a Greek study here. We need to do. We need to be a doer, and not just a hearer. I mentioned it early. If you hear something, you heard it. But it doesn't mean it sunk into you. It germinated in you. But a sign that it is, or it is, or it is doing, or that it had sunk in, is because you are doing it. How many people hear something? How many people listen to a podcast, listen to a radio program, a self-help program? Just think of all the money that is spent in our world today, on, let's use this example, of podcasts, YouTube videos. You can sign up and spend thousands of dollars and go to conferences and hear speakers who are known all throughout the world to give you all this help, help, self-help advice, dieting advice. You name it, you think about it, it's out there. But does it really change people's lives? In some, it does, but in the majority, it doesn't. They laid out thousands of dollars, they flew somewhere, they went to a conference, and they get back home, and then they struggle. I spent thousands of dollars, and I'm still in the same situation. 
sad, very sad. It's because they're hearers and they're not doers. Every situation is unique, of course, not judging anybody. But what does the word of God say about being doers uh, um, of the word and not hearers only? In Luke chapter 11, verses 27 to 28, as he was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came and the breasts that nurse you. Jesus replied, But even more blessed are those, or are, are all, who hear the word of God and put it into practice. As I read that, I thought of uh, the Catholic approach to the Virgin Mary. <laughs> right? So we're not doing a message on that at all, but think about that. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. He didn't say, hey, even more blessed are those who hear the word of God. And there's a period right there. What did he say? You've got to put it to practice. We have to put the word of God into practice. So that's from the Gospels. Let's see what the Apostle Paul said. Romans 2, verses 12 and 13. When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they uh, never had God's written law. And the Jews, who do have God's law, will be judged by that law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. So everybody sees the connection. Actually, if you look at that, what's highlighted in green is what we need to be doing. What's highlighted in blue is what we need to go further with. Yes, we need to hear. Yes, we're blessed if we hear, but we need to take it another step. So what I thought was, my thought process here, is I was like, what is an example of modern, or, or of churches, okay? What are some examples of churches? And what would they say, how would they answer that question? One example of why it is so important to be a doer of the word. So I thought, I'll just check with some churches and see what they say. So did I go online? Did I call some pastors? Did I do any of that? Yeah, kind of. Um, but I thought I would check with some earlier churches. So I checked with the folks in Ephesus and asked the folks in Ephesus, hey, why is it so important um, for uh, Christians Christians in the church of Eph uh, at Ephesus, why is this so important for them to be a doer of the word? And they gave me an answer. You're going to see that answer here in a minute. You know, I, I was done in Ephesus, and I thought, it's not too far. I'll head on over to Smyrna. Ringing a bell? <laughs> Revelation 2 and 3, right? So I checked with the folks in Smyrna. And you know, they told me something that was not unique. They told me something that the folks in Ephesus said quite interesting as you're doing as going through my research i thought pergamus isn't that far away it's on the same page actually so i checked with the folks in pergamus and they told me the same thing wow it's not accidental you know one says it 
two, maybe it's an accident, but now I'm up to three churches. Ah, uh, let's, let's, let's finish the run, right? Thyatira, they said the same thing. Went to Sardis, they said the same thing. Now, as you're out there sitting down, you're probably thinking, well, I know the Lord said to this church this, and the Lord said to this church that, and there was all different things that they said to each of these churches, right? We went to Philadelphia. They answered me back, and they did it in a very loving way. Okay. But they said the same thing. Okay, well, we've got to finish with these guys. Laodicea. They said the same thing. They said four words. All of them. Anybody have an idea what they said? Four words. Wow. I know your works. Thank you, Todd. After the Lord said that to them, then it got specific to that church. I'm going to submit right now to us that the Lord knew their works as a body And we're going to stop and take a pause here for a second. Remember, when we come into the kingdom of God, when we're born again, we're we're as individuals. Okay? But we live our lives in a community. It's us. Mike's message last week talked about that, that, about the us part of our fellowship together. And then when we die and go before the Lord again, it's individually. But the Lord knows the works of the church. He also knows our works personally as well. So I thought, I'm going to talk to one more church. I've exhausted the seven, right, in Revelation. I thought, I'll talk to these guys. I didn't call Pastor Mike up and go, hey, how would you answer this question? I'm going to answer it for you because I feel the same way. Guess what my answer is? It's four words. He knows our works as a body and individually. So my question again at the top, is it important to be a doer of the word? Yes, he knows our works just as he knew their works. Moving on. Verse 23, 24, and 25. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. There's two men here. There's a man in verses 23 and 24, and there's another man in verse 25. So we're going to use, um, we'll use me as the example in 23 and 24. And Kurt, I'm going to pick on you uh, because you sat behind me today. I wasn't used to seeing you behind me in service. And so you're the guy in 25. Hey, you're the better guy than me in this example, okay? So yellow and blue. Observing or observes is the Greek word kantaneo. It means to consider, to discover, perceive. So if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
he is like a man who considers or discovers or perceives his face in a natural mirror. So I had a prop set up at home, or I was going to bring. Oh, here it is right here. This is not the prop. Um, I was going to pull it out, and it was a mirror, and I was going to look at myself in the mirror. And I told my wife, I told Melissa, during worship, sorry, Marvin, I said, I forgot the mirror. And she says, why don't you take my compact? And I'm like, I don't want him to see me with a comp. So, but she said, you open it on the other side, and guess what? It's a mirror. So I didn't want to open up the uh, L'Oreal side. So, <laughs> yeah. Verse 23. We're going to put me into this. If Jim is a hearer of the word and not a doer, Jim is a man observing his face or natural face in a mirror. So I'm looking at my natural face in the mirror. Okay. Anybody have tweezers, I guess? No? Yeah? Verse 24. Jim observes himself. He considers himself. He discovers, he perceives what he looks like. But then Jim goes away. Not looking at the mirror anymore. And I immediately forget what I saw. I immediately forget what type of person, what I looked at, my facial features, etc. Now let's go to 25. So we have a good picture of Jim now, right? So let's look at Kurt, verse 25. But Kurt, who looks into the perfect law of liberty, I'm going to stop there, looks into is perikypto, if I'm pronouncing it right. It means Kurt actually stoops down and looks into, he peers into, he physically leans over. It's like Kurt is walking down the street or the sidewalk and he sees something ahead and he walks up to it and he bends down to take a look at it. Maybe he's going to pick it up. Maybe he's not, but he wants to look at it. He's really focused on it and his body is involved in it to lean to, to lean over. So Kurt stoops down and looks, peers into and leans over into the perfect law of liberty, that would be the word of God, and he continues in it. And he's not a forgetful hearer, but Kurt is a doer of the work. And Kurt's going to be blessed in what he does. Continues in green. So what's the difference? We're going to look at continues here in a second. What's the difference between Jim in 23 and 24 and Kurt in 25? So noodle on that. Continues is parameno. It means to stay near. So what did Kurt do? He saw that thing on the ground. We're using this as, as an analogy. He leans over, he stoops, he's looking at it, but he doesn't walk away from it. Remember Jim? He was doing this. He was looking at it. There's your difference right there, circled in red. Jim was looking at it, but what did he do? He goes away. What's circled in red at the top? Jim walked away from it. Kurt continued in it. And that's what I'm going to submit to you. How do you become a doer? Is we continue in the Word of God. We don't turn away from it. We breathe it 24-7, 365. It's always in front of us. We're peering into it. We're looking at it. Just as Kurt was looking down looking uh, at uh, whatever he was focused on. The perfect law of liberty is the word of God. 
and we must abide in it. And by abiding in it, we abide with each other. And that's referring to last week's message as well about us. So I'm going to look at John. You don't have to turn here. I have it right here. John 15, 9 through 17. There are two words. I'm going to read them a lot in this passage. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, wow, be a doer, right? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. didn't say if you hear my commandments, you'll abide in his love. It said if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in his love. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. It's joyous to stay and abide in his love. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. If, conditional. I'm glad John Calvin's not sitting on the front row right now. (laughs) No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Last verse. These things I command you, that you love one another. The word abide three times. The word love or loved nine times in those verses right there. Those are... Pretty important. Now we wrap it up. Verses 26 and 27. If anyone among you thinks he's religious, I look that word up, it means pious. Okay, pious. And also a lot to do with ceremonies and things like that. But I'm going to use the word pious. If anyone uh, among you thinks he's pious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Verse 26 kind of reminds me uh, of the last message about verse 19. Quick to hear. And the second part, slow to speak. The tongue, right? Verse 27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Now we have examples. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's something very specific. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted uh, from the world. Some in Christian circles, I'm going to be delicate here, are very good at verse 27. The social justice movement, the um, um, works-based faiths, let's say it that way. But they struggle with verse 21. Lay aside filthiness and abundance of wickedness. We need to be balanced in all in, in what we do. So I have a question for everybody. Does anybody remember this? Remember that? Raise your hands if you remember that. Raise your hands if you still have one of these. Hey! Hey, very good. 
I have a question for you. And the certain message is wrapping up right here. I have a message, uh, question for you. First of all, I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah, I have my own version of it, but uh, I'm not a huge fan of that because I think it's the wrong question. Okay? What would Jesus do? So let's say we're in a situation and we think, okay, what would Jesus do? We go to the Bible and say, oh, Jesus would do this. Okay. We heard, right? But are we doing what Jesus did? So the question, it's good, but it doesn't go far enough. You get my point? You get my, 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 my uh, point on this is that hearing and doing are very different, but they're also, it's a dichotomy, they're also tied together. And so, what are the four letters on my shirt? It's do what Jesus said. And I think it would be, we're not mass marketing this church. That don't, <laughs> no, no, no. This is a one and done shirt, one and done. Um, but do what Jesus said. So what does that look like, doing what Jesus said? So I am going to read something to you, and then we're done. But uh, again, Servant on the Mount. I want to read something from the book, The Kingdom That Turned the World Upside Down by David Berceau. But what I'm reading is not something that the author of this book wrote. He's quoting somebody else. And so let me go ahead and take a quick read of this, and then we'll get ready to, to uh, finish. And then Marvin will lead us in the, in the doxology. This is looking at our Anabaptist heritage, and it's looking at 16th century Anabaptists, not Anabaptists of, of today. In baptism, they bury their sins in the Lord's death and rise with him to a new life. They circumcise their hearts with the word of the Lord. They are baptized with the Holy Spirit into the spotless, holy body of Christ as obedient members of his church, according to the true ordinance and word of the Lord. They put on Christ and manifest his spirit, nature, and power in all their conduct. They fear God with the heart and seek all uh, in all their thoughts, words, and works, nothing but the praise of God and the salvation of their beloved brethren. Hatred and vengeance they do not know, for they love those who hate them. They do good to those who despitefully use them and pray for those who persecute them. These regenerated people have a spiritual king over them who rules them by the unbroken scepter of his mouth, namely, with Holy Spirit and word. He clothes them with the garment of righteousness, of pure white silk. He refreshes them with the living water of his Holy Spirit and feeds them with the bread of life. His name is Christ Jesus. They are the children of peace who have beaten their, short, their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And no, and no war, no more. They give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God, the things that are God's. So the author, that, that statement is Menno Simons. Uh, the complete writings of Menno Simons, I believe, page 94. Um, the early Anabaptists were accused of a lot of things. They weren't perfect. They did a lot of things right, and they made mistakes too. Just think of Munster, and you can figure, study that, you'll figure it out real quick. They weren't perfect people, but there aren't perfect people. Uh, but one thing they were accused of is they actually did what Jesus said. And the reason this painting is up here is because 
they focused a lot on what he said when he was on that mount. And we can do the same as well. So what does being a doer actually look like in our lives? Because I'd say if you ask 10 pastors, they give you 11 ideas, right? Um, but I think if we just focus on simplicity and not some highly convoluted, very uh, exhaustive, uh, hard-to-do list of things to do, that's what you go to conferences and hear a lot about. But just the simplicity is to do his word. Do what Jesus said. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this blessed day that you've given us. Blessed, you said, Lord Jesus, blessed are those who do your word. Those were more blessed when they did your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help every one of us, Lord, to be doers today, tomorrow, the rest of the week, the rest of our lives, Lord. Never let it be said that any of us were hearers only. But Lord, we acted upon what we heard. We give you praise. You're so good and so gracious to us. Lord, we love you. Father, we also pray um, for Picnic Sunday. We just pray, Lord, that you would just bless the time of fellowship. Um, Lord, you know, Picnic Sunday was devised or developed to be another opportunity for us to gather as a community, to live out our faith, to encourage each other, to have iron sharpen iron, and do it all around fellowship. So Lord, we give you praise for this day in Jesus' name. Amen.